We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. You know, everybody knows your body and your mind has to rest. Just like a car, I say, hey, you know, you overuse it and you don't have a rest. I mean, it's going to break down. And unfortunately, we have to, to use those, those players and those examples for bargaining and to, to our advantage. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome into the first edition of the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm your host, John Little, and I am so excited to be bringing this podcast to you on a weekly basis, or more than that, if we can muster. We're going to bring you the best names in women's basketball, whether it be college, whether it be pro, the biggest names, the best storylines. We can't wait to spotlight the women's game in this way. We're affiliated with HerHoopStats.com. If you're not familiar, a fantastic site that is doing great things for analytics in the women's game. And it just keeps getting better because we've added stories. Now we're adding a podcast as well and so many other things that are really going to benefit your enjoyment of women's basketball. It deserves it. It has to happen. And we are so excited to be on the forefront of it. And right off the bat... It's time to talk to one of the biggest names ever in basketball on the women's side. An incredible first guest with a unique perspective, Tisha Pinachero, a women's basketball Hall of Famer as of next month. She goes in on June the 8th, and why is she a Hall of Famer? Well, she's only one of the best point guards in women's basketball history, and there are just so many reasons that she has a unique perspective. Number one, she's international. She's a native of Portugal, and by good fortune, she got to the States, played for Old Dominion, had an incredible career for ODU in Norfolk, and her talent took her to the WNBA, and she retired as the all-time assist leader 
in WNBA history, a top 20 player in league history as well. So we'll talk about some of that. But then she's also an agent. Did you know that? We got to pick her brain about so many things related to that part of her life. And we started out chatting about the tough road of a WNBA rookie. This has, of course, been at the forefront of everybody's mind here recently when it comes to the start of the WNBA season. So just a great place to start and how she tries to help those that are coming out of college. They are still trying to finish school, trying to graduate, and you kind of just try to help as as much as you can. And, you know, training camp is only three weeks, and it goes by extremely fast, and they know how hard it is to make a a WNBA roster. So you just try to encourage them and uh, give them little tips and, you know, what to do, what not to do, and then wait for the, you know, the final day, which is today, and uh, see who makes it and who doesn't. Uh, and the problem, even to the ones that make it, you know, like because you make it today, it doesn't mean that you make it next week. You know, it's a constant, a constant battle to um, to be on the roster and to be on a WNBA team. So, um, you know, and I really, um, <laughs> I really live it through them. You know, and it's it's tough. Sometimes you you feel the joy, and sometimes you feel the disappointment, and you just try to you know to encourage as much as you can. No doubt, and. I know that your agency specifically today is is feeling it a little bit because the biggest cut down, or at least the biggest story I live in Dallas, is is Megan Gustafson. With Megan, how do you think that that kind of shows those who, you know, have those WNBA aspirations down the line? This is really not easy at all. Even the National Player of the Year if it's a little bit of an off fit for a particular team, it's not a guarantee that she's going to make it. Yeah, it's not. Uh, and it's very unfortunate. I- I've gotten to know Megan uh, since, you know, she signed with us. And as great as of a player she is, she's a, a much better person. <laughs> and uh, she has handled everything with grace. Uh, I talked to her last night. I checked on her this morning. Uh, and even with the draft, you know, she dropped down to uh, number 17. And, you know, she's just um, a person that has... Uh, amazing grace and um you know she takes everything so thankfully and with such uh, uh humbleness that um it's kind of refreshing to to deal with somebody like that um and you know she knows that um a lot of people were commenting on her game and if it translated into the WNBA game um so she's young um and she's going to continue to work hard I'm not sure if any other team is thinking about picking her up my phone hasn't ringed yet um, you know, she has to clear waivers, but uh, we'll see what happens. But I know this young lady is, you know, willing to, to work. And I told her that, you know, this is not the end of her WNBA story. So I think uh, she'll have another chance and I think she will um, she will grab it and she'll grab the opportunity if he comes around again. And just the other day, I was talking to Kayla Thornton, who I think is a great example. Now, a little bit different because she wasn't as prominent of a player in Mm -hmm. college as Megan was, obviously. Uh, But talk about a player there that has, um, you know, just honed her game and worked on the things that she needed to work on to fit on a WNBA team. And now she's playing a starting role and playing a big role, you know, just because things don't work out uh, right at the beginning, a hard worker can still make it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of examples like that. I mean, I can think of Allie Quigley as well. She was bounced around and uh, sometimes in and out of the league. And, 
you know, right now she's an all-star at the three-point <laughs> all-time uh, score, um, you know, and, and I know that uh, hard work, perseverance, anything is possible. And at the end of the day, Megan is just getting started in her professional career. She will go overseas. She continues to work on her game, and she's such a hard worker. I have absolutely no doubt that this chance will come again, if not this year, uh, next year. Well, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on right now. I know you've been jet-setting all over the place. First of all, where are we talking to you from right now? Where are you uh, holed up uh, for today? Well, I'm actually in the DMV, so I live in Virginia. I work in Maryland, and I go to D.C. a lot to, uh, to watch all the Mystics games. Uh, our agency is based out of Maryland, um, so this is where I am right now. You know, the WNBA season starts tomorrow. I stay here in the summertime so I can go to all of the Mystics games and follow up with our players a little closer. What are some of the things that uh, you got to do in the off season? I, I saw that you were just overseas. Yeah, I actually uh, had the opportunity to go to the Philippines um, to do a junior NBA. I'm an ambassador for junior NBA, which is uh, a great, great opportunity for a little kids and not just boys it's uh, boys and girls and um, they do it all over the world the NBA started it this a few years back and uh, the Philippines is probably the country that I have been including America where everybody's completely crazy about basketball is the number one sport in the country and people go absolutely insane about the NBA and the WNBA so it's so refreshing to be around people that truly love the game I felt like I had groupies there anywhere I went People were pulling out my cards and asking them to sign, to take pictures. So I had a really good time. Um, did a lot of clinics with uh, the young boys and girls. And any time that, you know, you can touch the youth and continue to tell them to, to play sports and especially to play basketball, it's great. So this is kind of my way of paying it forward and continue to, to be an inspiration to a lot of the youth. I know this is going to be a big next month for you people are going to be shouting hall of famer at you for the next uh, little bit here <laughs> congratulations on your appointment to the women's basketball hall of fame i'm so looking forward to seeing you officially inducted next month tell me about what that's going to mean to you to go into the women's basketball hall of fame oh boy um a lot uh probably i i don't know if i can really put it into words but you know, growing up in Portugal, very in a very small city, it's a small country that is basically uh, soccer-dominated. Uh, and to be able to come to the States and really had a, an amazing career, probably more than I could ever expect it, uh, it's amazing. And to, to people think that, you know, everything that I, that I did with my career is worth it, is all of them worth it, it's, it's amazing. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I've been working on my speech, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, it's tough. There's, you know, so many people to thank and uh, it's impossible to tell everybody's names. But, you know, from coaches to teammates to media people to trainers, everybody has a piece on, uh, on that uh, on the induction. So I'm just extremely humbled and honored to be a part of that. How long do they tell you you have for the speech? How long do you have to, to pack everything in? Uh, about five to 10 minutes. We actually have to turn it in by the 27. Um, so I guess they can make sure that it's not longer than 10 minutes so they can keep it moving. I, I honestly, um, don't want to talk too much. I just want to make sure that I, I thank everybody that I want to thank. And, um, I definitely didn't make it alone, uh, especially in a game like basketball, and especially the way I played. I definitely wouldn't have made it um, by myself. There's a lot of people involved in, in that achievement. 
but I know that it's, it's going to be emotional for me as well. My family is not going to be able to make it, but uh, they are the, the main reason why um, I am where I am and I accomplished what I accomplished, for sure. Well, I know it's going to be a special moment for them, whether or not they can actually be there or not. And we just need to have a screen running behind you of every single person that ever made a basket that you assisted on. Just, just <laughs> back there. It just needs to be kind of a, a constant rolling screen back behind you while you're, while you're speaking. Because like yeah. you said, you, you, can't, you can't thank every single one of those people. Otherwise, it would be about a, an hour-long presentation. Yeah, or two. <laughs> uh, tell me about who's going to uh, introduce you. They asked you to pick an escort. Uh, I actually have picked two. Uh, it was also, you know, tough to just select one person. Um, but I decided to ask my college coaches, so Wendy Larry uh, and Allison Green. So they will be the ones taking me on stage. Uh, obviously, uh, Old Dominion was my first stop in the U.S. Allison Green, a lot of people, I don't know if you know, they know the story. She was the assistant coach at Old Dominion, and she's the main reason why I actually went to Old Dominion because she played professional in Portugal. And when I was 16, and I, I happened to play against her, and she told me after the game, she's like, you're so talented. You don't want to go to the States. Back in 92, you know, it's not like you can just log on Internet <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and try to do some search for, for colleges, you know. So at the time, I just gave her my parents' home number. And a couple of years later, she became the assistant coach at Old Dominion, and she told Wendy about me. So that's how kind of the recruiting process started. So I, I thought that um, those two coaches were probably the most important because they kind of started my uh, American journey. You're not too far away from, uh, you know, your old stomping grounds at Old Dominion. How often do you get a chance to get back to campus? Unfortunately, I don't go that often. Nikki McGray now is the, the coach there. She's doing a, a great job. She's trying to bring the, the program back to life. Uh, I saw them play in Florida this year because I live in Miami in the offseason. So I went, when, the, when they played in Florida, I, uh, I went and checked them out. And the last time I went to Old Dominion was probably last uh, two summers ago. Um, so, yeah, I try to, to stay involved and uh, – uh, I talked to the team after the game down in Florida. I know they are working really, really hard, and uh, Nikki McRae is doing a great job trying to you know, bring the program back to where it needs to be. Getting into the WNIT was huge for them this past year, mm -hmm. so I, I know you had to be really excited about that. When I was talking to somebody about talking to you, they really wanted to hear from uh, a WNBA superstar, one of the greatest players of all time, and then somebody who's involved on the business side now. There just seems to be a lot of great forward momentum for the WNBA heading into this season. There's so much chatter on social media right now, whether it be really positive or, you know, maybe a, not ne necessarily negative, but things that can be improved. Is this game at a tipping point right now? Can we make some big changes in the next few years that are really going to push this league forward over the coming 20 years? Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, looking at the talent now in the WNBA compared to even when I played, it's uh, it's tripled. Uh, little girls now can start getting ready to, to play in the WNBA. They start hiring shooting coaches and trainers uh, to, to get ready and to get prepared. So I feel like the talent level has definitely gone up a lot. Um, unfortunately, we, we, we will miss some big names and big faces uh, this year due to injuries mostly. Um, but I think the, the women's basketball professionally is in great hands. I think the WNBA has continued to take strides forward, uh, and I'm really, really excited for this season. It's, you know, 12 teams, 144 players giving their best. 
given their all every night and uh, is the most competitive league in the world. Um, you know, and uh, I'm looking forward to for the summer. How can this league take the next step, in your opinion? I, I, we've seen a lot out there about, hey, we need more roster spots. We need four more teams. We need a feeder program. If you were the WNBA commissioner, and I know that was recently filled, so I, I guess uh, mm-hmm. you're going to have to wait a little while on that. <laughs> what would you push for? Where do you think the next step is for the league as far as more inclusivity, getting more players involved? Well, there's a lot that could change. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm one of the the people that advocates for more teams and more jobs. Uh, I mean, even you see with these roster cuts that a lot of talented players won't have a job this summer, and that's very unfortunate. But, you know, we have to make sure that the teams that we have and the league that we have, that all of that is working perfectly before we add any more teams. You know, and right now, uh, even with the new CBA negotiations, we'll see what happens this offseason. So there's a lot that is going to happen, you know, in the next year coming forward because of the new CBA. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen with that. Players want and deserve better conditions, starting with salaries. And I'm a big advocate for that. You know, it's really hard. And sometimes I don't know if people are fully aware how hard it is to be a women's basketball player and to play all year round. I mean, you literally have no time off. So not just on the physical level, but, uh, you know, emotionally and just to to play all year round, you literally finish the WNBA and you have to get on a plane to go overseas to play a whole season that is seven, eight months sometimes, and you finish there. I mean, France will play today their their game five of the finals, and there's a few players there that play in the WNBA. So when they play tonight in France, tomorrow they're going to be on the plane and they have to play on Saturday. I mean, that's insane, and there's no other league in the world that does that. So for WNBA players to constantly to play all year round for 12 months, it's very tiring, you know, but this is what we have to do in order to maximize our careers and to maximize, you know, financially as well. So there's a lot of uh, things that, that need to change. And I think we'll see some of those changes coming this off season with the new CBA. Is there a little bit more negotiating power for the players when you see whatever it is now, a half dozen of the biggest names in this league out, at least at the beginning of the season, due to injury, and maybe it's not all overuse, but certainly a lot of it has to be attributed to that. Does that give the players something to point to? Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, that we have to, um, players have to get hurt uh, to use that as a a selling point. I mean, and we're talking about big names. I was actually at the game when uh, Brianna Stewart hurt her Achilles. I mean, and I think it's a valid point. Do we know for sure that she got hurt because she's playing all year round? Absolutely not. But, I mean, it's something that, you know, everybody knows. Your body and your mind has to rest. You know, if it's just like a car, if, you know, you overuse it and you don't have a rest, I mean, it's going to break down. And, uh, unfortunately, we have to, to use those, those players and those examples for, for bargaining and to, to our advantage. So uh, I think we have a great committee, committee with, um, you know, with the players. I think they're all on board. They know what they want, and uh, they're going to fight for it. And you know, if we have to fight for, for ourselves and we have to fight for the next generation, obviously we all um, love that we have a, a professional league here in the States, but it's been over 20 years that the WNBA has been around. Uh, and not too many major changes have happened since the league has been around. So I think it's time that we really fight for what we believe in. Um, so we'll see what happens. I know that 
SIG manages uh, Shanae Gumake, who is uh, just an amazing talent in so many ways. Uh, she, along with Liz Cambage, both desired trades in the offseason. From an agent's perspective, is that good for the league to be able to show that the players have uh, at least uh, a little bit of power in that way uh, to say, listen, this is this is just not working for me. Uh, I need a different situation. Well, we actually represent Shanae for overseas. She has another agent for um, WNBA. I understand. Um, it's, I think it was Liz Cambridge that said it the other day, you know, athletes are humans. And just like any other person in, in a working environment, you have to do what's best for you. Uh, and if you feel like you're not happy in your job and you want to seek another job, you know, people do that on the regular basis. So why can't you do that in a professional uh, league for basketball? So uh, that's what they did. You know, uh, is it fair? Are you going to make everybody happy? Absolutely not. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to do what's best for you because, you know, teams always do what's best for them when it's time to uh, to make a trade or to make a cut. You know, they always call it a business decision. Oh, we have to be, you know, do what's best for the team. So, you know, sometimes players have to do what's best for them, what's best for their families, what's best for their future. You know, everybody's different and everybody has to go about it the way they feel that is the, the best opportunity for them to continue to, to be in this league. So that's what they did. Is it good for the league or not? I mean, everybody's going to have different opinions about that. So at the end of the day, you got to look out for yourself. How did you feel about the reaction to it uh, just as uh, either an agent or a former star player in this league? Do you feel like in general, the narrative around them was fair? Did you like how it came out for them in the end? Well, at the end of the day, they got what they wanted, right? So, uh, but if they never asked or they never fought for it, they probably would have been in a position where maybe they weren't as happy. I'm old school. I would have played for Sacramento probably my whole career. You know, the team just folded and I happened to, you know, jump around my, in the last three years of my career. But I honestly saw myself playing for Sacramento the whole my whole career. That's just how I am and how I was. I was happy. But if I wasn't happy, I probably would have, you know, seek free agency at least. But times have changed and, you know, it is not the first time that happens. You can talk about Sylvia Fowles. You can talk about Deladon where, you know, they were kind of in the same position. And at the end of the day, you, you make the trade happen or the player is not going to play. So which one is better? You have to do what's best for you. With some of the injuries that we saw, who do you have your eye on as far as those players that could step up and be stars in this league? Who's got, as they say, who's got next in your mind? I'm looking at John Quill Jones. Uh, I think she's ready for uh, a breakout season. I'm looking at an Alicia Gray, uh, I think, uh, in Dallas, um, especially with Scholar being out and now with uh, with Liz also not being there. I think Asia Wilson is going to continue to uh, improve from her rookie season. She already had an amazing season last year. Uh, I'm looking at Jordan Canada without Sue Bird being in Seattle to really take over, even though it's just her second year and to run point guard. It's to me, I mean, I might be a little biased, but it's the, the toughest position to play. Uh, you have to kind of lead the team uh, on and off the court, be the coach on the floor. So it's it's hard. But uh, those are just some examples. Um, I might be a little biased because I feel like I'm saying pretty much all of my clients. Uh, Kia Nurse in New York, all of them uh, will uh, definitely have great seasons individually. And I'm probably looking at Washington. Um, just the fact that they lost last year, got swept by Seattle, and they have everybody back to really trying to win a championship. I, I really think it's wide open, especially with the injuries to Subert and Stewie. 
I, I really feel like is wide open. I know the GMs yesterday had a little survey and they picked Las Vegas to win, to win it all. I, I think it's going to be a competitive summer, competitive season. Uh, and it's really, the championship is really up, up for grabs. You know, along those lines, you were so unique in your playing days. Uh, let's be honest here. But if there's a player in the league that you compare yourself most to now, would you point to anybody and say, yeah, it was a little bit like that? Maybe maybe they're not quite as good as I was, but it's a little bit like that. Honestly, I don't think I can. I think Sue Bird, I mean, and she's a little bit more of a scoring point guard, but I don't think like looking at the, at the players that we have right now in the WNBA, I don't really see myself in any of them. I think the point guards these days are a little bit more um, – scoring first and uh, dishing after and I was a pass first point guard and if I look at everybody's roster and all the players in them I don't really don't see myself in any of them so uh, if I, I probably would go with Sue Bird uh, and she's not even playing this summer <laughs> but if I had to compare myself I think she's probably the one that I would you know compare myself to. Fair enough. Do you teach people to play with the flair that you do do you recommend that they do or is it one of those things where you either got it or you don't you can't just go out there and start no look dishing and uh, you know just hope for the best i don't think it's something that you teach i mean even people ask me i I, it's not something that i i practice it just came natural to me uh i always compare it to people that could you know can draw can sing i think i had a, a little bit of a gift when it came to passing and to my vision and just playing with the guys or the boys in the playground from a young age, I think I just developed that even more. Uh, and I always, even now, like I just came from the Philippines and, you know, playing with the boys and the girls, I said, listen, you need to work on your fundamentals first and make sure you, you know how to do a proper layup and a proper bounce pass and a proper chest pass before you try to do all of that. So I always encourage, especially the youth, to really work on their fundamentals and, you know, make sure you do everything right. And then, you know, the other stuff will come later. I I wanted to ask you about being an agent. I I know you've just been incredibly successful. When did you know that that's what you wanted to do after your playing days were over? Well, I think I started thinking about it my last four or five years of my career. I I saw it like, okay, I know I can play forever. So what am I going to do next? You know, a lot of people go into coaching and, I really didn't want to go into coaching. Being a point guard, I felt like I kind of coach all my life, always telling people what to do and where to be. And I, I wanted to to kind of do something different, but I knew that I wanted to stay close to the game of basketball no matter what the next step was. So I started thinking, and uh, at the time, there was not too many women agents, and I felt like there's definitely not agents that actually – Played the game, especially, you know, overseas and in the WNBA. So I felt like in that sense, I was a little bit unique because I could actually not just be an agent, but be a mentor and uh, really help these young ladies transition into the professional level and give them advice by experience because I literally have been in their shoes. Um, So and especially with overseas, you know, can be such a, a different scenario that, you know, what they're used to here in the States. So I just felt like the more I thought about it, the more I liked the idea. And I was very um, constant with my thoughts. And I was like, you know, I really could see myself doing this. So I just started getting ready. And uh, when I, I finally retired, it was just a smooth transition. I really enjoy it. I feel like, um, you know, I'm still in the game. I kind of live through my players now. You know, like I said, even today and yesterday, the highs and the lows of the, the players that make it and don't make it. But I just try to be encouraging and give them advice. 
Um, and I really just want to give back to the game and I want to continue to see when the game continue to grow, especially women's basketball. And this is kind of my way of paying it forward. Is there anything about being an agent that you didn't factor in when, when you took that step? Is there anything that you're like, well, I, I didn't realize that this was a part of the deal and I don't necessarily like it, but I'll do it in order to still enjoy myself and, and stay in the game? Well, dealing with some teams overseas can be very challenging, and I think it's getting more and more. Uh, I never had too many bad experiences overseas, but sometimes dealing with these clubs, they're so unprofessional. It's really challenging and trying to explain that to the players when you have to deal with it on a daily basis. Just, you know, imagining, you know, being, having to, ha- to ask for your, your salary every month, you know, uh, being paid late. It just sometimes it's it's very challenging, and this is what you know the women have to go through even when they play in the WNBA. Then they have to go overseas, and a lot of these teams are very unprofessional. Uh, we have sometimes they they owe you know the players money. We have to go to court, trying to sometimes it takes a year or more to get the, all the money back. So all of those things, I mean, I knew because I played overseas, but I usually uh, played mostly on really reliable teams. And I always try to deal with the reliable teams, but they are less and less every year. So it just makes your job a little bit more challenging and try to explain that to the players. Listen, it's really not my fault, you know. So uh, that's the the biggest challenge that I I think being an agent is is to deal with um, the unprofessionalism that we have to deal with uh, when it comes to overseas clubs. My goodness, I, I can't imagine having to deal with that and just uh, keep all those plates spinning. Do you find that it's on the increase that kids, you know, and I say kids, I mean college students, ask you about becoming a sports agent? It, it, because it seems like that's becoming uh, a, a career path that more people feel like they can go on. Um, do you find that you're mentoring people as future sports agents almost as much as you do kids that uh, that, that want to play basketball professionally? Uh, I get some emails from uh, people, but they're not necessarily uh, players. And I represent mostly younger players, so they're still far away from being retired. Um, but it's always a struggle. I mean, I know because our agency represents a lot of people. Uh, Boris has been in this game. Boris is the CEO of the agency, and he's been around for a long time. And um, you know, he represents older players and the ones that are on the verge of retiring. Um, but honestly, I haven't, you know, seen or talked to too many that want to be sports agents. But I do get a lot of emails of people asking to do internships or to, you know, give them advice or whatever. But in my situation and the players that I have, they kind of just getting started. So my players are with, you know, the oldest that I have. I mean, I have a few. There are Camille Little. She's on the verge of retiring. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of your job to help them with that transition because I've been there and I know how hard it can be for you to just stop playing, you know, basketball, something that you have done for the past, you know, 10 to 15 years. And he's like, what am I going to do next? And you just, I mean, you make good money playing basketball, being a woman, but you don't make enough to just uh, <laughs> retire in the, the real sense of the world where, of the word, where you just go and sit on the beach somewhere and never have to work a day in your life. So. It's kind of our uh, responsibility to help these uh, women transition into the real world. Tisha, thank you so much for your time today. You've just been wonderful and um, so forthcoming. I I know you're a great ambassador for the game. And and finally, before you go, do you have that speech pulled up on your laptop or anything right now? Do you want to give us a little uh, little taste of that speech coming up on uh, on June the 8th? (laughs) 
No, I mean, I basically just talk about a little bit of my journey and uh, how crazy it is that a little girl from a small city in Portugal made it to, to America and uh, was able to win and to have the career that I had. And I just kind of thank people along the way uh, from, you know, obviously starting with my family, my coaches, you know, my teammates, they're a big part of, you know, who I became um friends uh so yeah i mean there's it's really nothing special and out of the ordinary i just hope that i can you know pull myself together and really say everything that i want to say well knoxville is a special place i hope it's one of the best days of your life coming up uh, next month so thank you so much uh, for your time and thanks for what you continue to do for women's basketball well, thank you, and uh, thank you guys. I know the media um, this year, I think, has been the best that I've seen covering the women's basketball in the WNBA. I, I just really hope that it continues to be like that. We need more people like you guys to really push us forward and uh, and put the word out there that women can play. <laughs> so I appreciate it, and thanks for having me as a guest. That is the great Tisha Pinachero. What a fantastic first guest. I can't believe it. So hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. Something that we want to do on each and every podcast is bring you a unique perspective. We're going to do that in a couple different ways. And one of them is telling you about the team at Her Hoop Stats because we've built up a great team basically of volunteers over the last couple years and one of them is Jen Hatfield she writes for us at herhoopstats.com and we got to talk to Jen about how she got involved with HHS yeah I got involved with her hoop sets last summer um, after seeing a tweet that Aaron posted recruiting volunteers and I'd actually seen the tweet back in the spring I think April thought about responding to it and sending Aaron a message and then kind of wrote myself off in that imposter syndrome way that, that women in particular have a lot and just kind of let it go. And then in August, I, I saw another call for volunteers and I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot and reached out to Aaron and the rest is kind of history. So I've, I've been a fan of women's college and pro basketball for a long time. I, I grew up watching men's and women's college basketball with my dad and it's been a great year or so covering the game that I've that I've watched as a fan for so long. That is outstanding. What's been your favorite moment? I'm based in D.C., and so I think my favorite moment was being on hand for the WNBA semifinals against Atlanta, and I also went to Game 3 of the WNBA finals against Seattle, which was fun but not quite in the way that not, – not for the on-court results necessarily, but that was a great environment. Absolutely. It's so fun to be around the game. So you are uh, writing for the site. Tell us about uh, one of your recent stories. What's your favorite recent story that you've uh, gotten to write? It's hard to pick favorites, but one that I really enjoyed is I recently did a story about the best names in the WNBA, and that was kind of a spinoff of a two-part series that I did in the winter about the, the best names in NCAA college basketball. And I got that idea when I was growing up. I, I read ESPN.com all the time to get my college basketball news and a couple of the writers over there. And I think some at NCAA.com have also kind of done this idea where they go through all the rosters and just see what names are interesting or funny or just unconventional in some way and put together a list. And I thought, you know, heck, why don't I do the same for the women's game? And so I asked 
Aaron, if you could pull together a spreadsheet for me of, of every player's name based on the, her hoop stats database. And I realized pretty quickly that I should have specified division one, because I think the first spreadsheet had 15,000 names on, on oh it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, no, that, that, that's not happening. So, uh, I eventually got just a division one list, which was about five or 6,000 and worked my way through that. And then did the same thing with the 351 head coaches. And so those two got some good reception in the winter. People seemed to like them. Schools that were represented seemed to respond to it well as well. So I decided when WNBA season came around, I would do it again. Where can we check out this piece of work? Each piece in the series is available on the Her Hoop Stats Stories page, which is accessible if you go to herhoopstats.com. There's a banner at the top that says click here to see our stories, and all of our stories are in reverse chronological order. So you might have to scroll for a bit for the winter ones from college, but the WNBA one should not be too far down and, and links to the older ones as well. That is Jen Hatfield. She's one of the dozens of contributors to Her Hoop Stats, and we appreciate her time on the show as well. That'll do it for show number one, but we've got so much more coming up. Later on this week, we're going to hear from the Dallas Wings. I got to go to Media Day, had some great conversations. You know, I understand. I've been on both sides now, and I think both of those situations helped me for now and what I'm about to go through and, you know, my WNBA career that you can be at the highest point, you can be at the lowest point, but it's all a process and it's all a part of your story. That's Enrique Agunbowale, of course. So we got to talk to the rookie along with Glory Johnson. Also, Alicia Gray joined us as well as Kayla Thornton. Also, we talked to Greg Bibb, the general manager of the Dallas Wings, and Brian Agler, the new head coach of the Dallas Wings as well. And that's all before next week's show, which is going to be just as good as this one. Can't announce the guest yet, but I will on social as soon as we record with her. We are so excited to have her on. And I can just say it's another top 20 player in WNBA history. You're going to want to be by the channel. So make sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to join us every single week. And if you enjoyed this version of the podcast, hey, just uh, throw us a couple stars. Rate us. Review us. It's going to help other people find our podcast as well. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Our announcer is Susie Solis. Our music by Jared Deck off his new album, Bully Pulpit. You can find it at jareddeckmusic.com. This has been the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Her Hoop Stats.